In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we're given today in the Gospel, Gospel of John, we hear the story of Jesus who visits this, this, for this wedding at this uh, town in Cana in Galilee. And as he's there, here's the wine that runs out. We all know the story. We've heard it many times before. But let's, let's take it a step, step further as it is that we view the story with now more of a biblical lens. How do we have to look at it? How is it that we look at it as Christians? How is it we look at it as faithful disciples of Jesus? And what is it that needs to be pointed out to us? Here is Jesus, who if we hear in the first part of the gospel... He's still going around and he's, he's collecting his disciples. The first chapter of John. And here are the disciples. They're coming to him. He's making followers. These disciples are later on going to become the, the apostles. They're going to be sent out. Apostolos to be sent out on mission. They're going to become the first bishops of the church. And as he gathers them, here is Nathaniel. And as he comes to Nathaniel, here is Nathaniel who, said, who Jesus tells him, I've seen you under the fig tree. I know who you are. And Nathaniel is astonished and he says... Here is now, you are truly the Son of God. You are the rabbi. You are more than just a teacher. You are more than just a rabbi, but you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the one we are looking for. You are the one who was promised. You are the one who through all of history, all of the Old Testament, the Jews for thousands of years have been waiting for you to redeem. You see, the story today is quite a beautiful Things come into completion, and there's a reason why it is that the first sign that Jesus does, the first miracle that he does, is water into wine, right? It's kind of strange. First miracle is not a healing. The first miracle is not a parting. It's not a whatever. It's not this, this, this water into wine, literally. A wedding ran out of alcohol, and here is Jesus who's turning now water into wine. That is the story. But why? Why is that? Take it a step back. As we examine what it is that's going on here, for thousands of years before, here are the prophets who keep coming and to the people of Israel, and they keep coming and they say, look how unfaithful you are. We hear in the prophet Isaiah, we hear in prophets before, here are the people of Israel, here are the people who are supposed to be dedicated and separated and supposed to be worshiping God, and they continue to transgress, they continue to trespass, they continue to sin against God, they continue to go against Him, and the more in which they go against Him, here is God who doesn't give up on them. Not at all. He sends prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to the house of Israel, to the people, to the Jews, to be able to say, hey, listen, I still love you. However many times it is that you go against me, however many times it is that you run away from me, however many times it is that you are unfaithful to me, I still love you. I still seek you out. Not only that, we also hear in another book of the prophet Isaiah, that Isaiah says that God is so madly in love with His people, so madly in love with us, that He wants to be able to marry His church. That is why it is when we talk of Jesus Christ who is the bridegroom of the church, His bride, how it is that God now is so madly in love with His people that He marries His church. He's so madly in love with His people that He comes down on earth that the very nature of Jesus, when it is that we look at Jesus and we don't see Him as just another teacher who said some nice things and that's about it. Not at all. He's not like a Buddha or Muhammad or whatever it might be or another prophet that just says some things. We don't come together to worship a prophet. Not at all, my brothers and sisters. There's something very unique about Jesus. Why it is that we worship Him. It's a marriage between God and humanity. 
It's a marriage that's found in the very person of Jesus who is 100% God and 100% man. There is no confusing it. And in that relationship, in that great marriage, now is Jesus, who we hear last week, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. That is why His sacrifice is so perfect. That is why what it is that He is sacrificed. He takes up our humanity, and He takes up in, in His divinity, and He gives us this divine life that we're not just stuck now as humans, but whether when we're called to something much greater. We are called to be, to share in the very life of God, and to not even stop there, but to be overflowing with the love of God. That's what today's miracle tells us. You see, one of the great hallmarks that always, always kind of hits me hard is the writings of Pope Benedict XVI. In the 1950s, 1960s, there were these so-called Christian theologians who tried to really look at the Bible and say, listen, there's a difference between the Jesus of history, of who he actually was, and the Jesus that we find in the Bible. And they tried to really disassemble it. And now it is, we get this idea that we go out there, Jesus is just another religious figurehead, he's just another person, he's just this guy who lived 2,000 years ago, maybe he was a great social activist, maybe he worked good for the good of the people, and people rallied behind him because he spoke for the marginalized, he spoke for the people who couldn't speak for themselves. It's not who Jesus is. Pope Benedict says you're getting it wrong. You don't understand. There is no separating the Jesus of history from the Jesus of the gospel because they're the same person. These miracles really happen. Not only are they documented in the Bible itself, but even other writers who say there are these strange groups called the Christians who will die for this man named Jesus because he's done so many miracles. Beautiful. But what does the first one mean for us today? A marriage. Marriage between God and his people. A marriage between Jesus and his church. Take a step back. Let's read this. Here is now, after it is that he gathers his disciples. We're told, as a Christian, as we read this, no detail in the Gospel of John has to be left unturned. You look at every detail. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee. On the third day. It's not a mistake. What is the third day when we think as Christians? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Is the resurrection. The third day when it is that Jesus rises from the dead. We are called to look at this gospel, knowing that we are people of the resurrection, knowing that we look at it in view of the resurrection, knowing that we look at it in the fullness of the resurrection. When we look at Jesus in this way, when we look at life in this way, that is how Jesus wants us to approach it. We're living in the days of the church when he does this miracle. Cana in Galilee. If you ever have been to the Holy Land, Galilee is this beautiful resort town right on the lake, on this, on this, this, this mini sea called Galilee, in a beautiful, beautiful area. Dates, palm trees, you, you name it. Beautiful, beautiful area. And so here is now this promised land that we go into. And the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus also was invited to marriage with his disciples. Here is now the church entering into the marriage. And as the church enters into the marriage, as the church is all gathered there together, what happens? Mary quickly realizes the wine runs out. My brothers and sisters, it's not, when we think of marriage in those days, it's not like, um, let's say, for example, oh, the wine ran out, let's drink something else, maybe water, maybe iced tea, it's not a thing. When the wine runs out, and the weddings would happen for days and days, it wasn't just a, like a night and it was done, right? A few hours and it's over with, not at all. This marriage generally would be a week. A week would this marriage take place. And so now here it is, a few days into this, this wedding banquet, and what happens? The wedding, the wine runs out. 
And when the wine runs out, that means the, the party is quickly going to die down. The wedding banquet's going to be done. It's over. Wine is symbolizing, symbolizing this, this, uh, this great kind of uh, celebration, right? And so here's the celebration that's quickly dying out. And as soon as it dies out, before it does, Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes. And she turns to her son and she says, the wine is running out. To which Jesus responds, my time has not yet come. What does this have to do with me? And Mary knows, she knows all too well, that Jesus, her son, cannot refuse her. And so she says these words. These words that echo throughout all of human history. She turns to the servants and she tells them, do whatever it is that he tells you. And then she walks away. Those are her last words in the Bible. She doesn't speak again. The last words of the Bible are, do whatever it is that he tells you. Wine, you see, wine is symbolic of divine life, of the very life that God has within us. Whenever it is that God gives us life, it is symbolized in this wine that is here. Here is this divine life that is running out. Here is this divine life that we're running away from. Here is now the divine life that Jesus himself offers you each and every day. And sometimes it is that we just kind of walk away from this divine life, this wine that runs dry within us. This, divine, this very life of God that escapes us. Why? Because we don't do as it is that he says. Because we don't do as it is that he says. And so here are the words of Mother Mary where she turns to us and she tells us that when it is that we are guided by Mother Mary, when it is that we are guided by her, she always tells us, do whatever it is that he says. She points always to him. Think of the Hail Mary. The entire focus of the Hail Mary is to point us closer and closer to Jesus. We don't pray to Mother Mary. We pray with Mother Mary in order to be led to a closer relationship with Him. And so the more we are led to a closer relationship with Him, how do we get more of this wine? How do we get more of this? Do what it is that He tells you. So here are now the workers. The workers are doing whatever it is that Jesus says. They're anxious. They need more wine. And so Jesus asks them, what is it that you have? In every miracle that he does, that Jesus multiplies, whatever it might be, notice what it is that he asks. In the multiplication of the fishes and the loaves, he doesn't just say, I'm going to make it rain down bread from heaven. He did that, right? For the Israelites long ago. Well, he doesn't say that. But instead, what do you have? And they bring up all the food that they have, five loaves and a few fish, right? So here it is. What do you have? What do you bring? Jesus can make wine appear in those jars, no problem. He can fill those jars with a snap of his fingers, and they fill. That's not what he asks. He asks them very specifically. What is it that you have? We have jars, and we have water. I'll use it. They fill them up to the brim. Here is now Jesus who's telling us the same thing. What is it that we have in our life that we bring to him? As it is that he offers a sacrifice for us, as it is that he gives us that divine life, as it is that he allows us now to share in his very life, as it is that He allows us now to not just be in this, this kind of low human standards, but to go up and to live the very life of God. Now it is that He's offering you the Eucharist. Now it is that He's offering you the very divine life itself. Now He's asking you, what do you bring? What do you have for me? What is your water that you bring to me? What is your water that I can use to make into wine? And not just a little bit of water, I can overflow those jars. That's what he's looking for. 
Every aspect of our life has to be given to Him. Every piece of water, every amount of water that we find in our life, and leave no stone unturned, your private life, your public life, your work life, your school life, whatever it might be, your daily conversations, your daily relationships, whatever these things might entail, are we bringing them to Jesus? Are we saying, here is what I offer you? That's what He's looking for. He's not just going to change you overnight, but we need to be able to offer and the more in which we offer, the more in which we give them water, the more we see how it is that He transforms. My brothers and sisters, as we look at the wedding at Cana, here is now Jesus who wants to give us nothing but divine life. Here is Jesus who wants to give us nothing but the very life of God. You see, He's not happy with us as just staying as humans. Not at all, right? He wants to work on what is already good. He wants to raise us up from this natural world into a supernatural world in which it is that we live with Him in eternity, but we have to be able to work with Him. We have to be able to really give Him that water of our life, to leave no stone unturned as to what it is that we give Him. Every aspect of our life. Don't hold back. Give it to Him. I promise you, He changes it. My brothers and sisters, it takes work. It takes work to be able to really follow Jesus. It takes work to really be able to offer from every aspect of our heart. All he's asking for is, what do you have in return? Give me your life so I can change something better. But the hardest part is trust. The hardest part is allowing him to work. The hardest part is trusting that when I give him that water, it's going to be used for something. That's the most difficult part. And as it is that we go on that journey, that journey towards Christ, as it is that we keep our eyes fixed upon the cross, as it is that we keep our eyes fixed upon trying to receive that divine life, divine wine as it is that we go towards Him know that everything will be transformed as long as it is that we keep our eyes fixed that we keep asking for more of that divine wine that we keep asking for more of that, that very life in God that He wants us to share but we need to be able to really beg for it we need to be able to really ask for it we need to be really, really able to really ask Mother Mary each and every day show me more and more of your Son show me more and more of what I can give to Him so that I can live a life, but a full life, in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.